The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Again, boys and ghouls, as the Brandon Peters Spook Show continues its carousel of horror through the first season of Tales from the Crypt. Joining me today for the tale and all through the house, I have writer Katie Reif. You didn't say boils and ghouls. I'm boils. Oh, I see. <laughs> Goodbye. It's been, it's been a time. That's a good episode. Tune in tomorrow. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. One of my favorite things to do is to come up with Crypt Keeper puns, though. It's so much fun. Oh, yeah. He's my favorite. <laughs> so we're here for Tales of Crypt, which is an idea that uh, came from you, honestly, back when you were back when you were on the episode with Lady Snowblood. Yeah. And here it is come to fruition. So. Yes. And you really you really made this work. Initially, I said, sure, I'll co-host this series with you. Mm-hmm. And then I went, oh fuck i got a lot going on i'm so sorry and you made it work anyway and so cheers to you really i i you guess know? i guess or, or i'm <laughs> taking your idea and just destroying it when I'm- no i'm no stop no 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 the thing is with me is that i get excited about things i'm like yeah 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 let's do it let's do it let's do it and then i realize that i've said that five times that day and then oops <laughs> I have to walk it back sometimes. It's a little embarrassing, actually. I need to work on it. (laughs) Hey, you have the courage to do it. Um, (laughs) But, you know, that's, and it's funny, like, uh, and I just said, well, pick which one you want to do. And I was like, we can kick it off. And you're like, I would rather do this one. So we're doing the one you picked. Well, I have a special affection for this one because I absolutely love Killer Santa movies Mm -hmm. and TV series and stuff. And actually, one of the first things I wrote when I started at AV club was a semi um, semi comprehensive uh, inventory, which is what we call our lists at AV club of uh, killer Santas. It was gotcha. it's 18 different entries, which is fairly comprehensive. Like uh, I even have a, a Japanese killer Santa movie. In oh, there. do you have the yeah. uh, Santa sleigh in there with Bill Goldberg? Of course. And I have Christmas Evil in there. I have Silent Night, Deadly Night and Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, but not the other ones because they stray from the Christmas theme after that. I have Rare Exports. I have uh, the Futurama episode with the Killer Santa. I have Satan Claus, Santa Claus, Mm. C-L-A-W-S. Santa, yeah, You Will Die was another one. (laughs) Feeders 2, Sleigh Bells, which is just... I don't think anybody really needs to watch that one, but it has a killer Santa in it and aliens. So that's kind of fun. How old is that one? That one is from 1998. Okay. It's one of those ones that they, they didn't get lights. You can tell that they're just using the regular light. Mm. in the room. <laughs> so it's really hard to tell what's going on, <laughs> <laughs> but it had a uh, killer Santa and aliens. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, Santa Claus uh, conquers the what Martians? Is that the one? Oh yeah, Santa Claus conquers the Martians, but he doesn't. But he's not. He doesn't kill anybody. No, he doesn't even kill the Martians. But yeah, well, I yeah, I love killer Santas, and so this was like an obvious one for me. Um, It really starts with uh, something we were talking about before we started recording, which is the garbage day clip from Silent Night, Deadly Night Two, an early YouTube sensation. Mm, yes, 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 yes. We all we all know of that one. I was sorry, I was looking up. I was <laughs> cuz you said sleigh bells, is that what you said? Was the one? Or Yeah, uh Yeah, feeders to sleigh bells, S L A Y. Okay, cuz there was a sleigh bells from 2018 
Um, I did a really? I, yeah, I because I did a convention with Barry Bostwick, and he would not fucking shut up about it. Because he's, like, <laughs> he's like, you like cult well, movies? You seen uh, seen Sleigh Bells yet? And I was like, no. What is it? And he's like, oh, you haven't seen it. I was like, and it was a new movie. I'm like, well, okay, but I was like, I thought you were referring to that. I was like, oh wow. So sorry for no. My, I wrote my, this in 2014. Actually, it's okay. one of the first things I wrote for the AV Club. Mm. So it is it is outdated at this point. Gotcha. I ran it for Christmas 2014. Sorry, Barry. <laughs> but Jesus Christ, that was seven years ago. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we, we didn't even know each other then. No, nope. no. I mean, you and I was writing about uh, the Halloween series. Mm-hmm. Yes. My source. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's it's back again on home videos for 4K um, fun. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and there's Halloween Kills. Which and Halloween Kills. We could talk. Everybody's hours. talking about Halloween Kills. I'm talking about Halloween Kills on Out Now with Aaron and Abe. So you can go to that podcast and hear my thoughts about Halloween Kills. So... Good I'm not plug. not afraid to plug other people's shows, especially if they have me on it. <laughs> especially if they have me on it. So especially, <laughs> especially. If they have me but on yeah, it. um, but yeah, when you brought this idea back up again, mm-hmm. I uh, it, it was easy for me. Like I wanted to do this one because yeah, Killer Santa movies are kind of in my wheelhouse. So awesome, and uh, yeah, you can almost get to like Christmas Day starting in December with Killer Santa movies alone. Yeah, pretty Almost much. There. You can add Barry Boswick's <laughs> no. to it. So. I'd say there's probably about a dozen like decent to good ones, and mm-hmm. then the rest of the days in December you're going to be scraping that barrel. But that's what you know. Yeah, yeah. Fair I like, warning. <laughs> I like the one the guy from uh, Last House on the Left directed. It's got the girl. From, oh yeah, it's got the girl from Ghostbusters that's in the beginning. Yeah, I like that one quite a bit, and it predates oh Silent Night, Deadly Night with a Killer Santa. True. Uh, True. To all a good night. That was it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what I like. Yes. Um, but yeah, so bring your Tales of Crypt, you brainchild. But like, what's your like? Did you watch it as it aired? Were you too young? Were you? Did you just not? Did you not have HBO? Did you watch in syndication? Where's your history with it? Well, I didn't get into Tales from the Crypt until my adulthood, actually, because when I was a kid, we never really had cable. It was not really part of my upbringing, except for one summer where my uncle was a cable guy and he came by the house and one day just flipped the switch for like a couple months. And it was over the summer, which was fantastic for me because I was off school. And so I just sat and watched. (laughs) Why go outside? Fuck it. HBO for like you know weeks at a time and my parents were savvy I think they knew that this wasn't going to last forever and so they taped you know they would just run tapes long play tapes and just tape like hours and hours of HBO at a time and that's what we watched my whole childhood so like my I know a lot about movies that came out in like 1990 or 91 because that was around the that was the summer we had HBO that's great (laughs) so yeah they still have them at their house all these hand labeled tapes with like the date and hbo and what movies were on it and stuff like that i have one i kept i found it at my wife's parents house as vhs and i just had to keep it it was it was it was labeled uh, a christmas story and a nightmare on elm street and it was just they taped it. They taped it on HBO. They print, like Christmas Story must have been at eight. Elm Street was on at like ten. And yeah, you would get those kind of fun juxtapositions sometimes. And she's like, "You're making fun yeah. of me." I'm like, "No, this is awesome. This is just no. I'm not making fun of you at all." No, I know. I told my wife. She thought I kept it and took it from my uh, my in laws' house. They didn't want it. They're like, "Take that VHS tape out of here." But I'm like, yeah, "This is like, hilarious." She's like, "You just make it. You just took it. To make." I'm like, "No, this is awesome. This is it's great." No, it's awesome because there was like over the course of, you know, because like I said, I grew up watching these like long play tapes, Mm -hmm. super long play even. That's a shout out for the VHS era. EP, SLP, SP. We got it. Yeah, baby. SLP. Um, So, yeah, they would just tape it for like hours at a time. And so when you started the tape, it was something family friendly. But by the end of the tape, it would get to a horror movie. And that was the best part for me. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny, it's the things we did with VHS. 
I had the entire series of Get Smart on VHS taped off Nick mm-hmm. at Night for reruns. <laughs> I was even oh, to dude. a it was even to a point where we went on a vacation and I was gonna be out of town when an episode aired and I had to make my aunt set up her VCR to make sure she, make sure it taped because I didn't want to have to wait till it got way back around to that right. episode and I wanted them to be in order. So yeah. she had to tape some episodes for me while I was on a spring break <laughs> when I was a kid. And she's like, and she didn't understand. Right. She did like, she did it, but they're like, hey, who fucking cares? It's a rerun. I'm like, it is not. You're like, it has to be in order. But guess what? When it's on VHS, I can watch it wherever I want. So you've always been the person that you are today is what you're telling me right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say the minute that thing came, Get Smart came out on DVD and it, you had to call like Time Life to order it. I ordered the whole series. Mm-hmm. So I. Nice. Nice. <laughs> the, the VHSs had long been retired. I didn't hold on to them for that long. I should have. But I held on to some of some uh, just for nostalgia value. Mm-hmm. I have some of the some of the tapes from my parents' house, you know, that are that are just like kind of labeled with what was on HBO that day. You know, it'll be like July 18th 1989 mm. or whatever everything that was on HBO that day oh, that's and great. the one thing that you miss out, you get the promos and stuff which is great but the one mm-hmm. thing you miss out on because HBO doesn't have commercials you don't get the old commercials mm. yeah I yeah we were uh, when I did on this show when we did old space show the heights um, the the recordings of it we watched some of them like I think eight of the episodes had commercials still in there so we made yeah, a set. Oh, we, made, that's the best. we made a, a spot in the show just to talk about the commercials. And now yeah. uh, the listeners demanded and we're doing a regular segment once in a while just talking about commercial reels on YouTube. So that's what my yeah. listeners want. I guess they want me to watch and talk about commercials. <laughs> but it really is the best. So like if it you're is. watching an old episode of something on YouTube or something like mm-hmm. that and they let the commercial breaks in, it's really it, it gives it a certain it really places it. You yeah, know, and it's yeah. time. And you used to be able to like get up and do stuff and come back. Take a break in the middle. <laughs> Take it. Well, break. I'm cheap, so I have the Hulu with ads, so I still I get do too. I do too. And I'm like a minute and a half. I can I can pee, I can make tea, I can do this, and I can walk down. Yeah. And maybe exactly. I can get there. Yes. Like I'm not being cheap. I'm just like maximizing my time. I need those commercial breaks hey, to go do stuff. I'm like four or five years strong on that Hulu with ads. Like ninety nine cent, dollar ninety nine a month for a year. Black Friday, Cyber Monday thing. So mm-hmm, that's my mm-hmm. Hulu, and I probably use it enough to maybe justify that. So who knows? The only problem with those, though, is especially when streaming. It's less so now, but when streaming was still relatively mm-hmm. new, they would play the same commercial every single ad break, and you really oh, thought yeah. you were gonna. Oh, yeah. well, they still do. Oh, they still do. Um, yeah, um, those those CW shows have like three advertisers <laughs> on their streamer. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I, and two of I them themselves. <laughs> uh, I was uh, watching a bunch of James Bond movies for a thing for AV Club, mm-hmm. and um, one of the commercials on the reel was a local carpet company that had made a James Bond parody commercial. Oh, that and sounds I golden. That thing. I must have seen that thing 15, oh. 20 times when I was watching. You know? Wow. <laughs> Dr. No and on her Majesty's secret service and all that stuff. Oh, fun. Um, yeah. so, so you found tales of the later in life. Yeah. I didn't find tales from the crypt until I was in college and I had a friend who was into it and I was like, this is amazing because it was, you know, it was horror, but it was like punny. And mm-hmm. I, I think, I like low humor, not like, not like, well, I do enjoy a good fart and poop joke. Don't get me wrong. I'm not above it, but like stupid, corny, punny wordplay. I love all that kind of stuff. It's super funny to me. Like at work, my editor, like our copy editors are always like, Katie, you need to dial it back with the wordplay. And I'm like, but it's fun. And so obviously. So that's why I haven't driven you away yet. Awesome. That's good to know. (laughs) Um, 
And so, so yeah, so obviously the Crypt Keeper was like way up my alley. No, I had a friend who had uh, some of these on DVD in college, and that's when I first saw them. Mm-hmm. This is this is the second episode of this, but I have recorded ones that go beyond this already. But we've talked about how mm-hmm. the Crypt Keeper also appealed to kids in a crazy way because they ended up with a Saturday morning cartoon. It's like crazy. Oh, big time. It's a similar phenomenon. I, I've talked with uh, Mike Vanderbilt, who's been on the show before, about this. Uh, and I miss I, you, I feel, Mike. Call uh, me, Mike. I miss him. I feel like um, uh, the Crypt Keeper is really, in some ways, sort of an a spinoff of how uh, uh, Freddy Krueger was a character. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have like the the whole like. R-rated things that kids like, the Rambo, Robocop, mm-hmm. Freddy, mm-hmm. Jason, Crypt Keeper, Chucky, like all these R-rated yeah, things that it's kids. Of, it's of a piece with all that stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, the, I personally like, I would, if they had like an HBO preview or the scramble came on, I would watch it or, um, friend's house like hey we watch tales from the crypt you have hbo you should show me tales from the crypt but yeah (laughs) and i've i've gone through i don't know if i've seen every single episode i've seen a lot of them but going through this i'm seeing them i've I've seen this first season is very familiar to me so because usually yeah start and i have a dvd set that i i got (laughs) i like one of those glitch sales where it's like twelve dollars yeah okay and it really came hell yeah and it's all and they're not they're not dvdrs they're the straight up thing um it also made my blue listed the price wrong yeah oh i love when that happens you get an Mm -hmm. old set for like 10 bucks or whatever yeah Ooh, that's the best because they rarely cancel your order if it goes through you know right right still get I had yeah. the, there was like a sixty dollar Marx Brothers set I got for like ten bucks one time for that. It's Amazing. out of it's out of print That's now awesome. too, so it's like ha. Can um, I complain though about Tales from the Crypt? It's right tell. I'm absolutely certain of this. Why is it not on streaming? I would watch this all the time. Right? No. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's the but thing. It's not. It's not on streaming. Uh, does HBO not quite have the rights to it? That I thought. I was think. Going- so many people involved that have to sign mm. off on something like this, you know, all the different directors and whatnot. I think it's anthologies are especially difficult to clear because there's a lot of writers and directors and stuff involved. But I it's it is criminal to me that you can't watch Tales from the Crypt on HBO Max. It right. bums me out because yeah. yeah, I didn't grow up with it, but I really like the show and I love putting it on and I love that EC comic style morality tale stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I would have it on in the background like all the time if it was on uh, streaming. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, you can find it on a tube of views if you look, um, <laughs> but they're obviously those are obviously I noticed they're, they're rips from the DVDs because they're yeah. missing the intro. The intro yes. on the DVDs plays before the menu and then it just you select the episode and then. Here's Crypt Keeper, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. the wrong way to do it, in my opinion. But you need to have the intro, yeah, yeah, you yeah, should, yeah. You should just have a menu and then hit play, and then the intro. Just play the episode. Proper. Yeah, play it twice. That's fine. Play the intro and the menu, and when you start the episode, both. No there you go. Make an intro for the menu. So more mm-hmm. puns, like you know, <laughs> could have more stuff. But that's what it is. What, but what would it be like? Um... I'm trying to think of a scary pun on DVD. I'm going to file that away in the back of my brain, and then midway through the episode, I'm going to just blurt it out. Do That's it loudly, <laughs> loudly. It once made my my Blu-ray wish list one year. I uh, want my article, my annual article. But you mean a Blu-ray? Blu-ray. That one's easy. That one's easy. <laughs> you can incorporate the word "die" video "die" or. Hmm. Oh, we'll you see. can just say DVD. I suppose. DVD, yeah. DVD and blue and Blu-ray. <laughs> yes, it's uh, my favorite. I love the Crypt Keeper so much. He's great. Um, all right, so we are doing and all through the house. Yeah, and, as is, teased earlier by the Killer Santa talk. True. Um, and when I said it at the top, but you know, hey. Yeah, that too. Uh, that too. <laughs> Uh, all right, so this is directed by Robert Zemeckis, written by Fred Decker, starring Mary, uh, Mary Ellen Trainer, Larry Drake, Marshall Bell, and Lindsay Whitney Barry. 
Cinematography by Dean Cundy and music Truly. by Alan Silvestri. Like, this is an all-star episode. These are like the all-stars of 80s Hollywood working on this episode. This is this is probably they're all pretty they're all decently loaded. Um mm-hmm. but this one is stacked in like multiple departments. Like oh, all oh, absolutely. All the directors are somebody's in the season, but not so much it's not always the writers and cinematography and s- music. It's adding a whole nother mm-hmm. whole nother mm-hmm. layer. Like um yeah, uh Dean Cundy. They shoots Halloween, lot of Carpenter's yeah. first half of his career. You got back to the future. You've got I mean they him like Zemeckis right here is in the middle of Back to the Future two and three. And so was Cundy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um, it's in um was Zemeckis a EP on this season? I think he was. Yeah, he was a producer. it was him, Guyler, yeah. Walter Hill, um, Joel Silver, and Richard also Donner. On our list. Yeah. Truly. I mean, yeah. Tales from Crypt is, as I keep saying, it's horror anthology with big names in front of the camera, big names behind the camera. And it's, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this, yeah, this, like Leah Thompson shows up in a later episode. She was obviously in the middle of Back to the Future 2 and 3 during this. Um, right. And you have uh, Fred Decker, who writes multiple episodes of Tales from the Crypt, uh, but he's, he makes the, sense. It's his style. Oh, yeah. You have the Monster Squad, um, which is better than the Goonies. I will always say that for people, but... I kind of agree with you, actually. Everybody should! (laughs) Sorry, next episode's director, Richard Donner, but I'm on (laughs) on Mr. Decker's side. Like, he's been put in some sort of weird, like... He randomly popped up for The Predator a couple years ago. Yeah, Um, he did. Mm -hmm. He still works. He still works, but I mean, like, what? Uh, he's, I don't know, I like Fred Decker. Um, and, yeah, so this is Zemeckis' first dabbling in horror, really. Like, he'll do some other things after, like, What Lies Beneath, uh, Death Becomes Her, very horror-type things. But this is his first dabbling into horror. Um, of course, Alan Silvestri, he was working on Back to the Future 2 and 3 at the time. So everybody's like, we take a break, shoot this Christmas Santa thing, and then we'll go back to do part three. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if that was the deal. Uh, Mary Ellen Trainer probably landed a little cameo in Back to the Future too, um, because of this. She was because uh, she shows I up in that. Real quick. She shows up really quickly in that, and um, she was really busy at this time. Like this is her peak character actor stuff. Like she was. Um, she also worked with uh, Zemeckis on Scrooge. She was in Die Hard, Action Jackson. And in Ghostbusters 2 Lethal We and Lethal Weapon 2 this during this same year. It's like, damn. Yeah. She, she'd be busy working. Year, busy year. Busy year. Yeah, I mean, these were all like very in-demand people. And they it I, I mean, it must have been a passion project on some level, you know, because it's not like any of them were wanting for work, you know. So right. it was a deliberate choice that they all made to do this. Or they just wanted to like getting together, everybody's gotta make this first season count. We gotta because I don't know yeah. what what shows did HBO have at this time. Because this is pre Arliss, even. Um, mm-hmm. So is this, this like is, this was quite early in mm-hmm. the H in the HBO originals for sure. I could I don't know the whole history of it, but it, I know this was very early on. Like Mr. Show hadn't started yet. Like um, no, 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 no. That is, Mr. Show was like ten years later. I was in college. Was it when 10 Mr. Show. I thought Mr. Show was. Oh, mid- yeah, I, was I thought it was mid nineties. This is when HBO was showing Mr. Bean reruns. Like that's. Yes. Or that's where you would see Mr. Bean was HBO. Um, but yeah, so uh, Larry Drake, he was on L.A. Law at the time. Uh, and this is before he played Dr. Giggles. And Darkman would be the next year for him. Like, it was funny. He played like this lovable dummy on L.A. Law. And then like every time he went to a movie, creepo, evil. It's kind of funny. I need to correct myself though. Mr. Show was the mid nineties and I watched it in the mid, in the early two thousands when I was in college. Okay. And that's where the confusion came from. Yeah. Well, the world revolves around you. So it happened at the late, <laughs> the late. So, you know, your memories get all caught up. Oh, I your- believe, <laughs> believe me. I, I realize that. Oh, totally. Um, so in this one, because I thought this was the first episode of this, of the, I, I was confused about this one, too. I thought it was the very first episode of Tales from the Crypt, but it's not. 
You weren't it wrong. Aired on the same night. You weren't wrong. Like, yeah, because they were the same night. Um, and I'm wondering, like, I wonder if they shot everything for this and later decided what order and where things were coming. I'd be curious to know that too. Yeah. Because they really did bring out the heavy hitters for this episode. Like we were just saying, you know, it's a long list of recognizable names that worked on this episode. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first one we just had, it was, you know, Walter Hill, William Sadler, uh, Sadler, Mm -hmm. He, I mean, this is before, like, he wouldn't even, he wasn't even the villain in Die Hard yet, um, or the second Die Hard. Uh, Hill was a big name. uh, Mm -hmm. That was, that was where that was at. Uh, But yeah, like, and the next one's uh, Richard Donner and it's got Joey Pants and Robert Wool, but not at the time. That's not, I mean, they're just character actors you got, but. This, yeah. This first season, it seems like a lot of the, you know, kind of names and the the weight that was being thrown mm-hmm. into it was in the directors and the writers behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Like they had a few big names acting in it, but it was a lot of like character actors and yeah. stuff. Another interesting like aspect of why I was like, why is the second like the opening Crypt Keeper segment? He's covered up like he's wearing a Santa Claus outfit and he's got his face it covered. It's like, a creepy mask he's wearing, by the way. It is really creepy. But I'm like, wouldn't don't you want to keep him recognizable before you start messing with like his lo- like I get putting a Santa outfit on him, but the the mask over his face like that's like wait, what's that guy look like again? Well, but you know, it's a horror show and it does have true. a leather face kind of effect. <laughs> it does, it does. Uh, and then you know, it, this premiered in June, so nothing was going to hit close to Christmas after six, well, five weeks because it. It makes, to me, I will never understand why they put out Christmas stuff at other times of year. Didn't, I think Gremlins came out in the summertime. Yep. Gremlins and Ghostbusters open on the same day, that summer of 84. Ooh, that's a big day. That's crazy. But you know, like, why wouldn't Gremlins come out around Christmas time? Mm. Yeah. But Uh, it didn't. (laughs) Why'd they start putting Halloween movies out in August? Right. Exactly. Like. At least Halloween Kills came out in October. That makes sense to me. That and the last one, yeah. The, but the rest of them had been, uh, yeah, August or Labor Day was one the Rob Zombie one. But they once I think they thought they had. Well, it did make a lot of H two O was where they made the shift from not being in September or October, and they made a lot of money. So mm-hmm. I think they were mm-hmm. like, "That's where the money is." Michael Myers in the yeah. summer. Let Jigsaw yeah. and Paranormal Activity have that October. So, yeah, but. I'm always a little bummed when Halloween doesn't have like a nice solid slate of theatrical horror. Yeah, I excuse this year because we're just oh, sure it's pure this, chaos right now. <laughs> this October this year looks like summer, like all yeah. the big. And I I said I I think I tweeted I was like I was like hold on we got we got a new. We got James Bond. We got a Michael Myers movie. We've got mm-hmm. a new Wes Anderson movie. Uh, we got mm-hmm. that Dune adaptation. We got last night. So I'm like, this is the most like branded month at the movies I think I've ever had in my life. Because no, yeah, it's really, really a lot of names in the movies right now. I guess, I guess you know the secret cabal of Hollywood met you know back mm-hmm. uh, back in January and decided that they were going to end the pandemic in time for <laughs> right. October. <laughs> right. But I mean, the things that just focused. I don't my... mean that, by the way. No. <laughs> I'm joking. Insider info. She leaked it right here <laughs> on the Brandon Peters show. Tales from the Crypt special number two. <laughs> no. Oh, no. I... There's a knock on the door yeah. and I get dragged away. <laughs> there you go. I'll have it on a video. So we'll do that. Yeah, um, see? You know, I. No, I just it's like the fact that they were all like aimed at like my taste. I'm just like, what the fuck? This is weird. But I know these next couple of weeks are super solid at the at the theater for sure. Exactly. Um. So this one has a greedy woman who makes the mistake of murdering her husband while an escaped mental patient dressed in a Santa Claus outfit is on the loose. And you think this was an impulsive act, or that she planned it because her kids home. And it, um, and it seems like very sloppy planning to me when I was watching this earlier. I mean, it's murder. Um, by some, like it's obviously planned to some degree because she has a phone conversation with somebody. About, right. It's like, about it's it. like her lover. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's maybe she thought the kid was in bed. And the kid was in bed. Yeah. But she got up because it's Christmas Eve. It just seems like really po- like if you're gonna, it, this just all seems like poor planning. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean it's. I mean this is played for like some good humor. It's very, mm-hmm. to me, it was it was very Alfred Hitchcock the way this opening before mm-hmm. Larry Drake comes in. It's very mm-hmm. trouble with Harry. Very, I mean, it's because she she takes a t- uh, fire poker and hits him in the head with like the edge of it, and it sticks, and she pulls it out just as her daughter's coming downstairs. What's going on? And like the guy like sits up perfectly mm-hmm. and you see from one angle and like did you get what or the daughter asked like something like what do you want for christmas she's like i already got it or something like that but yeah 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 yeah. The, uh, um what's funny about that is i thought that the tone of the early scenes and this whole thing in general was very 80s because it like the this i i always associate stuff that's kind of like satirical about yuppies i really mm-hmm. associate that with the 80s and right. i and i kind of felt that uh that theme in this one in that tone right right no totally it's definitely a play on that and um they, i don't know if they're i mean they live somewhere in the country i don't know if they're rich or whatnot but they they do have that vibe and definitely the, the- uh, this is one of those that takes place nowhere in particular mm-hmm. you know a yeah. lot of the tales from the crypt so it's have that uh, that kind of um, I get I, it makes it more timeless or universal or whatever you know that it's kind of it could be it could be anywhere it doesn't really matter it's not set in any right specific place and I said as I say on many of these later on because I've already recorded them but <laughs> but a lot of these times don't expect you to think it they didn't expect a podcast like thirty years later to be dissecting these like this they were meant up for a quick mm-hmm. pop. Boom, there's no continuity people that like to pick at things or hate these, but they're meant to just be there and get out. And then you watch then you watch Taxicab Confessions and you forget about it and it's over. That's I think the, the it's HBO. also kind of like have you ever read any of the EC comics or I have um, not, no, no. I didn't it's really weird. Like my comic reading was not into like horror comics, oddly enough. Like I, I read like Batman. That was where I was. Batman and X Men was where my comic reading was back in. Well, actually, I, I mean, as an adult, after I had seen the series, I went back and read some of the EC stuff, gotcha. and it is similar. And I think it has something to do with the fact that these are these are morality tales. Right. They're you know they're almost biblical in the sense that like they're archetypal characters set in nowhere in particular, and it's really more about like the lesson and the comeuppance than it is about character and place. Right. Right. And the, the kind of going into like, I want to watch tales from the crypt and be scared. I'm like, it's a different kind of horror like that. I don't know. Maybe a kid would get scared watching it. I don't know, but it's more, more a play of dark comedy morality tales. Like you said, it's very adult oriented and they're like, we're not going to scare adults. Like that's what I always talk about when like people are like, "Hey, wasn't scary?" When I'm like, "How old are you?" Oh, like forty yeah, something thing. like that. I'm like, "You've got life to fear. You respect the elements. Respect what they're trying to do with things, and you'll enjoy yeah. it more." Like that's and scary is so subjective. It's mm-hmm. so 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 subjective. If you can stick in so, my head after, and I didn't jump or feel tense, but you stick in my head after, I give you credit. You know, mm-hmm. like something to like think mm-hmm. about or go, "Oh, that's kind of." Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the original comics were, you know, gruesome and all this stuff, but they were kind of for kids. And the mm-hmm. morality element does kind of, it might have even been like a bellwether, you know, because uh, EC Comics was, you know, being persecuted by the federal government, you know, yeah. for having too violent of comics and stuff like that. And I don't know for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if having these moral elements in these stories was one way that they would kind of deflect criticism that the stories were too violent. Like we were saying it was wrong or she needed to learn this or something like that. Yeah. 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 We're teaching kids not to murder their husband on Christmas Eve. (laughs) And look what happened. She's probably going to die. The end. Yeah. Murder is bad. That's the moral of the story. Which is... it's like this is fun because it's it's um it's a nice little twist on the slasher genre. It's like a mini little slasher mm-hmm. movie. Like it braces tropes, but it also 
gives us like a double killer aspect and then flips mm-hmm. the, the our final girl is like a killer, a killer. as like well yeah. who's worse like the mental guy or she's you know this she killed the most innocent of people he's coming after a murderer now technically so mm-hmm. or is or, the child the final girl is the child yeah, that's true that's true. that's true yeah that's tr- yeah but the but the way they the way they play it for us is that Mary Ellen trailer, she gets all the final girl esque scenes, but yes, the, the daughter's mm-hmm. probably the final girl. Yeah. Um, in, in the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It comes down to the daughter, but I, I do like the, that character, not the daughter, but the mom character mm-hmm. in the, in this one, because she is a very classic easy comics, morality tale, bad woman you know she's wearing this kind of sexy nightgown and the only like the only like really human thing about her is she does seem to actually care about her daughter no she does yeah yeah that is yeah the but he cries at the opera that type of thing yeah yeah uh yeah that's that's very true um she um think like i don't know um i like going through the mentality like because they play with you to make you think of things like a little bit before her where you're like oh Mm -hmm. you you know your mind's like she could pin this on the santa guy if she wanted and then you get to see that that in action as it happens Mm -hmm. they they do some good plays and larry drake just shows up out of fucking nowhere when he comes it's kind of kind of funny yeah um yeah that's kind of one of the archetypal things about you know, these tales from the crypt stories is that there is kind of a lot of unspoken backstory in a lot of these. And um, so this, I mean, this particular concept was in the British movie, uh, uh, Tales from the Crypt with Joan Collins, Mm -hmm. uh, the anthology film from uh, 72. And there's even less context in that. Like that, that one's much shorter. They don't give all the backstory that they give in this one with the lover and all that stuff. They, she just kills her husband in that one and they don't even really read into it. It's almost biblical. That's something that I like about these stories about their morality aspect. It's not necessarily that I need a sympathetic protagonist or I need a, uh, I don't, I don't need my horror to be moral. I just don't like. I'm fine you with it. You don't need woke horror, like. <laughs> but I, I like that these stories are almost biblical in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the sense that they have these kind of stock characters, and it's not really about the story; it's about the lesson. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and they're I, like parables almost. And I'm just I'm in, enthused with like these these story these episode like i mean they're they're all under 30 minutes this one's 22 mm-hmm. minutes this one's even shorter mm-hmm. like tight no bullshit off to a running start with this and it has like this episode particularly has all the hallmarks of white tales from crypt is so great and at like the height but like like there's all this they don't you get everything you would but this i mean this today would be like an a 50 to an hour episode that just stretches everything yes. out has all yes. the like people are so you focused have scenes in her in bed with the lover and all that kind of stuff yeah right yeah we'd get to know who he was before she killed him uh mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. there's like it's like we are so focused today on s- such f- continuity junkies that like so many unnecessary details that don't affect enjoyment in any way, but now we're loaded with that stuff. And I'm like going back to this. I'm like, everything's here that I need to enjoy this story. Like, and it doesn't need to be. You know what I blame? You know what I blame? And I say this listeners, I love this shit. Don't get me wrong. I blame the star Wars novels. I blame the fact (sighs) that there was a long gap in between star Wars movies and that the gap was filled with tons and tons and tons of, you know, what we now call the EU. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I kind of think that that's kind of where this urge to take every minor detail in something and have it and have it just explained upside down and sideways in the backstory and the front story and what happens after that to these characters and all this kind of stuff. I, it, my personal theory, I don't have any like, uh, you know, definitive proof for it, but I kind of trace it to the Star Wars books because that took. I mean, they took very minor characters from the first. Uh, from the cantina scene in the first movie and wrote whole books about them. They did. And all those bounty hunters that showed up in Empire. And uh, that's a good, that's a good theory. I like that. Um, makes sense. Um, that's where we're, what I call fan dumb D-U-M-B. Where we're at. 
but yeah, it, like it's it's we live in a world where I'm like, fuck, this is what I dreamed, and now it's not what I wanted. <laughs> so, <laughs> we won, or did we? But um, yeah, like definitely, like there's just irrelevant things that like someone I was talking to somebody about Halloween Kills, and it like threw him off that Michael Myers would bandage the hand with a couple fingers if he's indestructible. I'm like, that that's it, like. I barely noticed that in a scene like that threw you off the okay but yeah I mean there's way more <laughs> I <coughs> excuse me I gave this movie kind of a bad review on AV Club so I'll All just good. refer to that go to that <laughs> like, AV Club Katie Wright <laughs> R.I.F.E. kind of tore this movie apart Halloween kills and if you listen You'll probably find that we're on polar opposite sides of this, as it sounds. But all good. Oh, interesting. 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 I mean, there's little nerdy stuff that bothers me, too. You know, like, it bothered me in Halloween Kills that Michael was, like, torturing that one older woman because he doesn't, he's not sadistic. He's just a murder machine. He's not, like, he doesn't take pleasure in any of it. It's just what he does. It's his essence, in my opinion. Possibly. Possibly. (laughs) But this is... Tales from the Crypt, all through that Sorry. house. All good. But yeah, so this has got a lot of what it's great. Um, I realized, and I forgot, like, at first I thought it was odd, and I was like, wait, no. There was, like, a window in the closet when she goes to get the gun. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah. How, houses used to have those. I've been in plenty of old houses, and so I'm like, yeah, that used oh, to be really? a thing. Yeah, that used to because be a thing. they didn't have electricity, maybe, and so you or could some, see in mm-hmm. the closet, maybe. Right, yeah. you can see in the closet, air it out, something like that. But I'm like, okay, that's not far off. I've I've been in houses with, like, especially when I was in college and you live in shit houses that you're like, oh, uh-huh. this is a nice place. You see that kind of stuff in these old, yeah, yeah, totally slumlord. Um, yeah, villas. I'm not. I'm really not a hung up on details kind of person. Mm-hmm. Usually, like, I like to observe little. Oh, details. I wasn't calling bullshit. It was just me going, hmm, that's odd, but wasn't gonna take For sure. Anything. It was needed. It's more so that like, okay, so like in the original Tales from the Crypt, the British anthology version, Mm -hmm. like there are things that I appreciate, you know, like uh, uh, in that one, her home decor is incredible. Like the Mm -hmm. thickest shag rug I've ever seen in my life. Well, you got a movie budget. Yeah. Wacky metallic kind of sculptures and stuff. And I appreciate details like that. But I guess I just, I don't get hung up on them and are like, oh, well, this detail invalidates the entire film type of way. I, I don't, that's just not the way I think. No, no, no. It's really weird. No, I was just saying that as me. I'm like, do, do how, like if it's there and that, because I know what it's there for, she needs to get locked in and she also needs to notice he's climbing the window. So it makes right. sense. Add a window right. there. You can kill two birds with one stone. They're right. probably working on a little set because that house very compact with what we see it's inside. It very much looks like a soundstage mm-hmm. and the snow, the snow is obviously fake California snow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But this it works. Is so totally like, yeah, the, not the, not the spray can snow, but the kind that comes in a bag and you shake it out. Yes. <laughs> you pick it up. Don't, don't step. If you have boots, do not step on it. No. I feel like that stuff gives you, probably gives you cancer or something. It's just so artificial. It's probably the asbestos from like ceilings there. Cause yeah, probably. My, my first, my first apartment when I lived out there, like I had to sign a waiver that I would not touch the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then I would also that I would not drink the water from the sink. I would only use it for cooking, bathing, and teeth brushing. California. Okay. It's because the city the has pipes. the pipes in the city are like, uh, were not built with the future in mind. And they're oh, all wow. bad. And it's like, I don't know if they're, it's a slow process to replace them or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But. My second apartment there, I did not have to sign a waiver for the ceiling, but I still had to do the thing about the water. Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. That's really yeah. interesting. I mean, this one takes place in movie land, obviously. Right. Like, it's, obvious, it's obviously a back lot. You know, the, and the I yard, geek out on that. I love that shit. Outside. <laughs> I you love like that, that shit. I like soundstage stuff. Because I, like, I see, you know, you can see sort of the streams, but I love to see like and appreciate the handcraft nature to everything the the way it's Absolutely. built how they shoot around it how they make it look bigger how they i i like that like i will watch 
tend to watch like old British television and stuff because that's tons of sets, tons of costumes, tons of, and just to see how they mul- the multicam stuff where they're like camera two switch camera this very soap opera s, but that's mm-hmm. how they saw it because here our television is informed by movies over there it was informed by stage and there's a very different like now now they now they are very much in line with each other but when in the early days when people were figuring out television it was obvious like tv we had movies here they were very known for stage there and that's where they went for tv we had staginess here too but it went away a lot faster and they were they were multi-camming in the Mm -hmm. 80s and all that stuff and that had been killed down to soap operas big sitcoms and stuff but yeah yeah. i mean you know for the time when this show was made like you know it was pretty the prestige drama had not really kicked off when uh tales from the crypt started no this was very early days for hbo right yeah they would i mean they wouldn't hit the sopranos till like 98 99 yep and then that was that changed everything i mean more Mm -hmm. than we know and the thing i love about HBO is that TV, the TV landscape has, you know, since in our lifetimes in from the late nineties to now over like completely changed. HBO has always stayed HBO from then. Mm-hmm. They have not caved to any bullshit. They are still HBO. They're still like I watched during quarantine and stuff. I caught up on succession I had two seasons and I was like so relieved. Why? I was like, holy shit, you guys are just, you could, I was like, I love that it was a, it's a serialized show and stuff, but like mm-hmm. you could jump in to a random episode of Succession, get the gist, enjoy it, maybe go back and check out previous episodes or just continue on. And I think you'd be fine. It's that good. It's that well thought out. It knows it's fucking television and it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, get, I get to watch that show because. Um, the digital media subplot in uh, is a little too close to home for me. <laughs> so, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> fair but enough. It's good to know that I could just jump in on the new season. You probably sure. could jump in and figure it out, and because like the episodes, there's not like bridge episode. Like every episode is Act One, Act Two, Act Three. It works by itself, and it continues the story. And we have gotten so fucking far away from that to where here's every episode of a show on a weekend. What was your favorite? Um, yeah, I remember the whole thing. I don't remember. I you know, I don't know. TV's TV. It can be like now we just have like elongated, like much more elongated than need to be movies on those. But yeah, we have some good shows. That's my rant. And sometimes it goes the other way, you know. Sometimes, sometimes you have yeah, no. like, Oh yeah. I would have liked to just stretched out and do a TV show. I mean, the you know the like. This was one of the flagship HBO shows when mm-hmm. it first started, right. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the landscape was so different when they were making this show. And, and this was different. For, I mean, I guess there was Twilight Zones, Tales from the Dark Sides and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, but this was for like the pay cable audience. Mm-hmm. And the, and the comics are pretty gruesome too. Um, you know, like it's, it's less that it's like full of sex or anything like that, right. you know. That, that typical uh, premium cable model, but just like um, they'd have really gruesome drawings, you know, whenever they'd have, you know, say like a zombie or something, the yeah. drawings would be very gruesome in these comic books, which is, you know, why kids like them and right. why adults would pick them up and be like, what is this trash? You know, to bring it back to the, um, the the really impressive crew on this one, I would bet you twenty dollars that a lot of those guys grew up on those comics. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I mean, yeah, they probably got together like let's yeah, like Donner and all them. They probably where they came from, and uh, yeah, they also Larry Drake's face very cool, very mm-hmm. good makeup and stuff. It's funny. Um, and- oh yeah, his his teeth in this are so freaky yeah like when i was watching it again uh earlier today i was just really at first i was like that's not clint howard is it no 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 he kind of looked like clint howard at first (laughs) but it's not it's larry drake and um yeah his teeth and then at the end of the show we're jumping ahead here but when he when he says um 
uh, naughty or nice. It's so creepy. He had to say he... or nice or the Silent Night Deadly Night people would have had a been like, hey. <laughs> right. They would have sued him. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, like uh, they're really like this show is funny. The Crypt Keeper is funny. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about it is they do it keeps a little bit of the edge and it keeps the morality tale aspect of the comics. That's what I really, that's what I like about this show. That's what I think sets it apart from other, um, you know, like, uh, like shutters new creep show or something like that. Mm -hmm. I like that show, but it doesn't, it's not as conceptually as um, coherent as tales from the crypt is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's definitely, they do have a feel there. There's like, you know, it's, you can almost know it's tales from the crypt. Just, hanging out with it for like five seconds even if you didn't see yeah you could like you could flip through the channels and be like oh tra- tales from the crypt is on you probably right. could for yeah. sure yeah there's the, yeah there's just that look it's got like you know it's a higher production value looking thing than mm-hmm. some of the others mm-hmm. for sure and i so like this one i i know we're on episode two but i've seen their man but i think it argues to maybe be my favorite of the season one and it's probably because I I'm weak in the this knees. This is for- my favorite episode. Okay. Like I haven't I haven't seen all of them, so I can't say. But this is my favorite episode. I love Killer okay. Santa stuff. Honestly. I'm weak so in the knees for slashers. But I really so, like it. Yeah. You get a what guy in a knife. I said I'm weak in the knees for slasher movies. So <laughs> my wheelhouse right here. Um, yeah. Though there's some good for stuff me- coming up. So yeah. Yeah, for me, it just adds that little extra transgressive. And a lot of time, kind of satirical edge to have the slasher be Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, like talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night, there's that quote that's like, Christmas is the scariest night of the year. Yeah. Silent Night, Deadly Night. And there's just something, there's something oh. so wicked about it that's kind of subversive that I just love. I love Christmas horror. It's good stuff. And there's been actually, there's been a good output the last few years of new Christmas horror movies like that have been oh, yeah. really good. And I'm like, awesome. Maybe we'll get one this year. Or two. Yeah, I think you could argue that there's a revival of Christmas horror going on. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's one of those things that never fully goes away. But when I was writing this article for AV Club and kind of looking up every single Chris, like specifically Killer Santa, like I mm-hmm. didn't include Gremlins or anything like that. Yeah most of there was a few in the late seventies and in the eighties, but then it kind of started up again in the late two thousands. And now it's going pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a, what was the one with the little home alone is like a shithead kid with a babysitter. Oh, uh, better watch out. Better watch out. Yes. That was, I like that one. Home alone. Christmas home alone. Yeah. Yes. R rated home alone. That movie was, that one was, I, I like things that kind of break taboos, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you know, making Santa Claus a murderer is breaking a taboo. Yeah. And also that movie breaks taboos by having a lot of violence involving children. Yes. Yeah. That was like, game. even in this one, at the end of the episode, I'm skipping ahead again. The Crypt Keeper says straight out, he like reassures the audience, don't worry, the little girl is fine. He doesn't say it that way, but he says that mm-hmm. that Santa only killed the mom. So you don't right. have to worry about the kid. That's such a taboo. Yeah, I wonder if they had to put that in there just to be like, we should probably say something. <laughs> we should probably say we didn't kill the child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I need people to see then- Back to the Future 3 next year, so we need to... <laughs> yeah i don't want to be known as a child killer i'm trying to get work man (laughs) but though it's interesting though you know because like that kind of brings up the idea of like something that is you know softening the edges a little bit Mm -hmm. and the mom in this one is like she's a pretty depraved individual like she's murdering her husband on Christmas Eve, and then she calls up her lover, and his answering machine is something like "Leave your name and measurements." And she's like, holding the real- will, like she's like, "I got it." Yeah, yeah. And then she calls nine one one, and um, uh, you know, pretends, "Oh my God, he killed my husband!" Trying to get off the hook for it and everything. She's kind of a classic Tales from the Crypt. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 
protagonist, antagonist, whatever you want to call it, because they're usually morally compromised. Yeah, troubled and people. Why, yeah. Yep. The, and it's an interesting role for Mary Ellen Trainer. Like, I don't think I. Mm-hmm. She's normally supporting character, but never like someone like vicious and devious like this. And she gets to be crazy and. Like a sociopath. She feels nothing about murdering her husband on Christmas Eve and then lying to her daughter about it. Right. She does seem to care about her daughter a little bit, which I think Mm -hmm. is the most interesting aspect of the character. It keeps her from being just a full cartoon. Right. And we don't know who this guy was before she murdered. We could assume maybe it was abusive or something like that. Or maybe, but but since she has a lover, it's kind of like maybe she's projecting these things to to do something like that. I don't know, but it's not there. It's not. The point is we have a murderer that has a murderer put on them. Like that's the, the joke. That's the, the play here. It's like, Oh yeah, we did all this only to have a murderer come after you. Now, how does it feel now? You know, it's kind of classic tales from the crypto because it is Mm -hmm. always about like, kind of like karma and comeuppance and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, have a murderer go after a murderer that's karma, right? Right. Yep. Totally. Instantly. <laughs> instant karma. <laughs> yeah. It truly is instant karma, isn't it? Because <laughs> the minute she drags him outside, the radio's like, everybody, there's a killer on the loose dress of Santa Claus. He's killed, yeah. like, he's already killed people on his way. Like, yeah. Yeah. Stop him by the He escaped from an asylum. Mm-hmm. I think they're kind of, they don't say it outright, but they kind of explain why he would be dressed as Santa Claus by saying he escaped from an asylum. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff, but yeah, no, this is a this is a great one. This is um, like the the first. It's really weird because the first episode, I I, I it's an odd start because the this would be a good start. I think it's a better start than the Sadler one, but the Sadler mm-hmm. one's a weird start itself, and this would be a weird start because mm-hmm. here uh, we're opening up Tales from the Crypt with Christmas. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm always, like I said, I'm always so fascinated with the decision to run Christmas stuff, not at mm-hmm. Christmas time. And like, yeah, why didn't they save this one for whatever air date was closest to Christmas? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I probably the because the crypt- Christmas special. Holiday special. Hell yeah, yeah. dude. I'd watch that. Hell Big yeah. time. I'd watch that. Um, Maybe it was because they had such solid names behind the camera and in front mm-hmm. of the camera on this one that they wanted to lead with it because it was so yeah. strong. Yeah, because like, yeah, the Sadler one's like a guy talking to the camera kind constantly and uh, about the electric chair. It's a nice morality tale, but it's just the the perspective is a bit weird to start off with. The next one wouldn't have been that great either. Like, I I almost feel like the best, the one that could have been like the normal safe intro. Mm-hmm. Whew, probably would have been the Leah Thompson one, but that's its own thing too. But they're also unique. Like nothing feels repetitive throughout these, as you'll find I, out, listeners, down the road, because this is <laughs> the second one. Yes, this is a broader thing, but that is one of the things I like about Tales from the Crypt. And I, I always enjoy this as a concept when they have certain outlines for the concept. And like we mm-hmm. were saying, it's like morality play is a big part of it you know usually there's a monster of some sort and beyond that they just kind of let them do whatever right but this one i think isn't really doing whatever because it's based on that short from the movie tales from the crypt the anthology movie right yeah because this is it's a remake a modern right remake so Right. So really what they were adding is they Americanized it and they kind of added that. I really associate that kind of satirical, that mean satirical tone. I really associate it with the 80s in my mind. It's a filmmaking thing to me. For sure. Yeah. You could just do whatever and not have to worry about it. (laughs) Because we would laugh. Yeah, I guess it's because I grew up all Joe yeah. Dante movies and stuff. And I'm like, right. yeah, the eighties were a good time. Yeah. We could just laugh <laughs> at that stuff or just do it. It's a movie. Who cares? Now it's a, someone's life or whatever. Da, da, da. Oh my God. Uh, you would, speaking of, you would never get away with that uh, monologue about uh, her parents dying on Christmas and gremlins. That would never nope. make it to the screen today. Not in a nope. PG movie. Absolutely not. <laughs> nope. Oh my yeah, and there's some comedic touches in this episode too. Mm-hmm. Like she keeps uh, dropping her keys. Drop, like I yep. thought it was very funny when she drops her keys on the stairs, and it's like, yeah, they're right there, and then they're not right there. At all. Right. So she has to go to her 
the husband's dead body and get his keys. <laughs> That's good. And then, like, then the, the door as she's swinging the axe when she brings it down, the door hits the thing, keeping it open at the t- at the cadence of the axe, so she doesn't notice it's hitting. And then till the falls over and locks on her. Yep. This good. Yep. Stuff. Yep. Yeah. 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 Like this one, it definitely has that like funny, mean tone that I mm-hmm. very much associate with this era of filmmaking specifically. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of that kind of like mean spirited satirical tone, mm-hmm. like the very, very end of this episode when she's on the stairs screaming. Yeah. For some reason that like it really strikes me funny. Do you think that's meant to be comedic at the end? Because they, they hold on her and she doesn't move. Like she just sits no, screaming. No, like, she doesn't move. Come get there. me. I'm screaming. Yeah. 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 The, for something about it, like when I was watching the episode again earlier today, like something about that in particular just like really struck me funny. That and her uh, reaching for the keys. Like those two scenes just really struck me funny this time yeah. when I watched it. The keys it. funny because it falls through like a crack in the stairs when she does drop mm-hmm. them. And then yeah. the, the screaming, I wonder if they're like shot it that way. Like, and then they were like, we're going to fade at some point during this. So just keep screaming. And we have it. Nat- <laughs> we sure. have it. Just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> we have it natural. And then they just like, the editor didn't get the note. Or they're like, we need to, we need this to hit the 22, the so, such and such minute right. mark. And oh they my held God. on. I don't know. There was a meeting and they were like, we need 20 more seconds. And they were like, we had her screaming for a while. How about so, that? <laughs> we sit and debate. Like, it's like the end of uh, the house or um, city of the living dead where people debated what that ending meant for years until someone finally revealed, uh, no, um, we spilled coffee on the ending and didn't have money to go reshoot or film. So we just made some shit up there. <laughs> and people are like, is he saying? Is he saying the kid is now possessed by a zombie? Is that what he's doing? And like, no, no. some fucker just spilled it. coffee on the the film reel. It was damaged beyond repair. They couldn't reshoot. They didn't make. They didn't process. It was on the negative. I think that was the problem. And yeah, and for years people have been debating. There's people like, what's with that ending of City of the Living Dead? Nap fucking cheap Italian production, man. That's. I mean, to be fair, this is one of those cases where you have. Hollywood professional yeah. film with budget recreating those type of details for humorous right. purposes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that would, you no, know, that was straight. She, I did remember like when I was sitting there, I was like, man, this is taking its time. It's like, is there something going to, someone going to jump in and save her here? Or the cops going to show like, no, Oh, it's over. But yeah, I was there for it. Maybe they're supposed to make us want that hope or think something else is coming. And then it just ends. Yeah. No, I could totally see that because there is sort of a mean-spirited streak that mm-hmm. crosses through all the tales from the crypt episodes. Like it's it's a it's funny. It's supposed to be funny, but it, it can be kind of a cruel joke sometimes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Definitely. All right. Well, I'm gonna wrap this <laughs> up here. Okay, bud. All right. So that's, like that's a good note to end on. Talking yes. about yeah. Good. Talking about the end, Good. right? So um, that'll <laughs> for sure, and just like the tone of it, and you know, some I don't know if you do this. Well, when I'm talking on a podcast, sometimes I try to think of like, okay, here's something I can say that would be a good button, you mm-hmm. know, like if I feel like we're getting towards the end, and um, that was a button statement. So boom, there we go. Boom, gotcha. <laughs> All right, well, that'll end this morbid tale. Katie, thank you for returning on here to discuss. It's been way too long. Uh, been. No, but you're here again, and I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Um, I love coming on Mm -hmm. because I feel like when you come on a show, how you know it's really going well is when you this sounds counterintuitive, but when you're struggling to stay on topic because you have so much to talk about, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like a good sign. It means you have good chemistry, you know? Yes, definitely, definitely. And I let it go and it works. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. we don't talk to each other. Like, we don't get to do this every day. So we need to get it all in now. So, <laughs> For sure. Secret of podcasting. Secret of podcasting. Uh, <laughs> but before we go, let people know uh, what's up with you lately and where they can keep up with all things you. Well, you know, so writing for avclub.com, we've got Horrors Week coming up the last week in uh, in October. And I've got a few things planned for that. 
I did an interview with the authors of a few horror novelizations, and I'm kind of taking a look at novelizations. And I have a uh, interview that I'm working on with Kayla Janice, who uh, she works with Severn Films. She's kind of a legendary film programmer. She has this uh, documentary, Woodlands Dark and Days Deep, coming out. And so I have like a very extended, detailed interview with her where she talks about uh, kind of recommendations for how to get into folk horror. So I'm pretty excited about that one. Nice, nice, excellent. Um, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon4KUHD. Written work at YSOBlue.com. Tomorrow, uh, we have Aaron Newerth. He comes back to the show to discuss Dig That Cat. Dot, dot, dot. He's real gone. And uh, until then, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs>